Indeed, there is a war. And uh, welcome to the war. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your demonstration of courage and diligence and pursuit and strength and stamina and endurance and, and, and to, to prevail against your enemy, even as you were here, even as you ran up against him in all forms of opposition. And I thank you, Lord, that you took on the cross. You defeated the enemy. And if he would have known what that meant, he would have never harassed you like he did. But I thank you, Lord, that he did harass you because that was his undoing. And I thank you, Lord, for giving us courage. Now, it was not your perfect life, Lord God, that satisfied the law that gives us salvation. It was your perfect blood that was cleansed, the cleansing power, the blood that was given for the blood that was taken, blood for blood in this uh, war of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And so your perfect blood was perfect because you didn't sin. So I thank you, Lord God, that you gave us your blood, every drop of it, to prove not only your love, but to rescue us from the pain and the hatred and the evil and the vile contempt of this world. So encourage each one today, Lord, we praise you and thank you for giving us power over all the power of the enemy, as we wonderfully see in your book, in your Gospels, in the book of Mark. And we thank you for the promise that no weapon formed against us will prosper. No word said, no deed done, no action taken will be able to be used by the enemy to bring forth any shame, trouble, or reproach. So even now, Lord, we thank you for divine revelation, divine protection, endurance, that we will not look at the things the way they look or the way they feel, but we'll look at what your word says and who you are. Amen. Amen. Well, here we are again. Yes. Welcome Continue. to Rescue Radio. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad you're here. Uh, we're going through the book of Mark, and today we have come to Mark chapter 6. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, Jesus, just a little bit of background, he's crossed the Sea of Galilee with his disciples. There was a storm. They're freaking out. He calms the storm. They meet the demonized man, kick, kick the demons out of him. And uh, then he goes back to Capernaum, and he heals this uh, lady that's had this uh, bleeding mm-hmm. for issue of blood for twelve years. years. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and then he heals Jairus's daughter, the ruler of the synagogue. By the way, that issue of blood thing—that was hormonal imbalance, probably, but that's what the result of it was. Yeah, it was a. It was we have a lot of people with that sort of thing right now, whose their whole health system, their ecosystem in their physical body is totally destroyed because of uh, hormonal imbalances and and other organs and um, chemical, neurological, neurochemicals that have been messed with. But anyway, well, that's a detail Jesus, we can go to later. Jesus healed her and yep, uh, the he bleeding exactly. stopped. And, and, and that's she interesting. knew in herself she was healed. Right. She and so completely. So he goes uh, on. He's moving on. He's moving on. So Jesus leaves Capernaum and goes up to his hometown of Nazareth. Mm-hmm. Remember his after they came back from, uh, well, it, not Doesn't. to get too involved with the story, but Joseph and Mary. Joseph would be his yeah, like that's Mary's husband, and and him he uh, jo- Jesus, and then his family. There were other ki- kids born here. We'll see that in a little bit. Uh, but they they made their home in Nazareth, and evidently Joseph was a a carpenter. Mm-hmm. And back in those days. The uh, you know trades were passed on from father to son. Sure, like an apprenticeship. It was an thing, apprenticeship yeah. type thing, which is an excellent. And he was the oldest way. son, so of course he's going to have to pick up the business. And it's interesting they picked Nazareth because I think that was pretty much under the radar. They were they're trying to get away from escape Herod's eye, and you know it that's off, off the way the Lord does it. And so he had hidden Jesus basically for thirty years, in a common lifestyle. And many of us get locked in this common everyday go to work lifestyle. And we think there's no, that's there's no purpose, no religious excitement, no no point to our life because we're not really doing anything for God. And yet Jesus also suffered there as we do many times ourselves in our mundane go to work jobs. Although I believe he liked his and job. Na- Nazareth was kind of a, a rowdy, a trading town. A lot of people there trading. Not as religious, and, I wouldn't think. Huh? No, not really, because we we read down of uh, was it um, Philip or one of the guys. 
later on they said, well, Jesus is from Nazareth. And they said, well, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? So right. Nazareth had a reputation, had a reputation <laughs> for being kind of a, a, a nasty town, kind mm-hmm. of a wild, rowdy kind yeah. of town. But Independent thinkers, I would Yeah, imagine. yeah. So Not Mark gonna. chapter 6, verse 1, that he went out from there and came to his own country, which was the country around, you know. Nazareth, uh, Nazareth. is about, what, 100 miles north of Jerusalem? Roughly, is that something like yeah, that? Yeah, about, about. Yeah, just to and, get you. and it's in the, ca- the county or the town, the county, yeah, I suppose, or the province region of Galilee. Yeah, right. As opposed to uh, Jerusalem being in Judea, Judea, which is in the south, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And Samaria is right in the middle, so that's they always had to go through Samaria to get back and forth. And well, they wanted around Samaria most of the time because well, they hated yeah. the Samaritans. Yeah, they didn't want to Jesus, get their feet later dirty. On, I know. He went through Samaria. Yeah. We read about that in the they book They were so of John. holy they didn't want to be contaminated by the, the right, Samaritans. Those, those nasty Gentiles and those mixed up religious people. Yeah. Um, the mixed up religious people didn't want to be contaminated by the mixed up religious people. Yeah, so we have to stay pure. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. And his disciples followed him. So the disciples are, are right there with him. They're tagging along. When the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. Now, now that would have been th- Saturday to us. That, th- yeah, sa- on Saturday, which mm-hmm. was the, the Sabbath day, there, there was a synagogue, these small um, gatherings of gathering places. Mm-hmm. And they had different you know, speakers come from time to time. If somebody mm-hmm. had come from another town, they opened it up and said, well, you can share some scriptures, you can go ahead and speak. Sure. So, Otherwise, so they probably had the hometown boys do it. Apparently, see, he he had, um, his habit was to go to that synagogue. And that, really, that was his home synagogue. Here's, here's it's, what it says It's like Luke. his home church. He yeah. says, Luke 4, 16. Um, so he came to Nazareth. Now, this may not be the, the time that they're talking about because I think he came to Nazareth many times after he once left it. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and his cust- and as his custom was he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. So it was it te- technically he was one of the regular he, readers it sounds he, like. Oh, he was not certainly not an, an outsider. So he didn't have to get a special permission from the whoever to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah at this particular point in Luke. Um, and that's where they obviously they had been reading through the book of Luke and they didn't have the New Testament, so they were just in the Old Testament. And when he had opened the book, he found the place. You're in the book of Isaiah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Was, <laughs> I'm in the book of Luke in, reading in right now. Luke, yeah. chapter reading four, about Jesus, reading, reading in Isaiah. A portion yeah. from sorry Isaiah. for the, Thank you for the correction. Okay. So he's, he's reading in the book of the prophet of Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovery of the sight to the, of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to preach the acceptable year of the, of the Lord. This is almost a direct quote from Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. Um, and, and it's interesting that Jesus, this was the, this is, as Luke would tell us, this is the initiation, the first, first uh, act, the first part of scene in, the, in act one of Jesus's public ministry. He'd been on the earth already about 30 years, but this was mm-hmm. his first, um, and he was making a declaration of what he was going to do and to heal this, you know, heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance. And in the summary of what you're saying in this first verse, verse uh, 18 here, Luke 4, 18 uh, and 19, you, you get a sense that Jesus Christ is not a hostile God. He's not coming as sent by an angry father who's coming to correct and punish his children. And this concept of God, a God of grace and mercy and father, this fatherhood of God is now being presented to the people. So with that in mind, let's listen to um, what happened when Jesus was uh, in, in the book of Mark. Okay, so going back to the book of Mark, thinking these are you know quite parallel passages here. Um, so in the book of Mark, it says uh, where they said, and many hearing him were astonished, which is a little ways in verse 2, if you happen to be following along. Many were him, hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Now, here's the deal. They, you know, if, if this is the same time when he's reading that book of Isaiah, and I, I, we could maybe check that out a little further. Well, if it is or isn't, yeah. Yeah, well, they said they recognize his wisdom. wisdom. Now, there's times where if, if anybody has an ounce of discernment, 
you can recognize when people are speaking because you have the wisdom. ability given by God to determine. There's there's to a knowing that the comes truth. that this is wisdom. But I excuse me, I don't think this was the, this Luke passage where he was. I've come to heal the brokenhearted. I think that was his first time. I think you and Mark were talking about another time. Probably because very because another time. because if he he was just starting out in his ministry in Luke. There, he said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. He hasn't done it yet. He hasn't done any of it yet. So he's just, but by the time we get to Mark, he is um, in full full gear here. He is, he's doing all kinds of things, silencing the wind, casting out demons, healing people's infirmities, raising, he's already raised the debt. He's already, I think he's, you know, done just about every, well, he, he, a taste he, of everything he can do. It, it, it's very interesting that, you know, and it talks about, they did not, they said, okay, let's, let's, just not, yeah. just try to I, I want too far ahead. Where are you? I'm, I, I want to mention what you just read. What you just read was, um, and it says, they were astonished, saying, where did these, this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Now, this is a very good question, and they're linking up the idea of wisdom with mighty works that are performed by his hands. So where did this man get this wisdom, get these things that what, and what wisdom is this? So they're recognizing there is a correlation between wisdom. He's understanding things. He's understanding how things work. He's understanding how the demons work, how the spiritual world works. He's understanding how sickness and infirmity and hormones work. He's, but they don't know all that, but he's understanding the, the, what he's dealing with in every case, whether it's death of the 12 year old daughter of uh, Jarius, he, he has wisdom to know exactly what is going on. And he knows how to address it. He knows what to do to perform the miracle to say the words, to bring it back, to, to straighten things around. Yes, but in, in, in Matthew, where it talks about this parallel passage, rejection at Nazareth, um, it doesn't say that. It says, uh, they just said, uh, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? So there, it's not as clear there that they're connecting wisdom with mighty works as it is in Mark, although they're making the same connection between wisdom and miracles. And I think we've made, I've never heard anybody talk about this before, where it takes wisdom um, to, and, and words of knowledge strategies, to know what to do, to what to address. Uh, when the doctor is diagnosing you, he, the more he has familiarity or her with the systems of the body and how things work and how all the systems work together, the more wisdom he's going to have in telling you this is what's wrong. And very, very few physicians have that comprehensive kind of understanding as Jesus did. So our diagnoses are always partial and, you know, they have specialized people who specialize in one organ of the body, for example, and they don't really care what the other organs are doing, although they all affect one another. So therefore our healings are partial, but Jesus knew it all. Well, so the combination of wisdom, you can be, you can be wise, but not do much of anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, w- then it can't be proven. Is, is wisdom a, cannot be proven if you don't do something. Wisdom is, um, knowledge and then knowing what to do okay but understanding he, too right well yeah understand knowledge understanding and knowing what mm-hmm, to do mm-hmm. and then doing it right now, a lot of people the human beings maybe have wisdom about certain things wisdom about what's going on in our country or whatever and, and, and have everything it's just right on but they're not really doing anything about it. Well, if Jesus would have had all this wisdom and, 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 and assuming that the Bible is telling us the truth, which we know it is, that he was, all things were created by him and in him, in him all things consist. He was very aware of the most minute details of our DNA coding, uh, s- the structures within us, everything that we don't even haven't yet discovered. He was also aware of all that. And so he had that wisdom and he was able to speak with that wisdom. And I think the more, like you said, if you have wisdom, it's like if you have faith and you don't act on it, you have no faith. I right. mean, it has to be acted upon in order to be manifested to come into the to come into reality. And here they're talking about which such mighty works are performed by his hands. Now, apparently, these mighty works were not being performed in Nazareth. They were well, hearing yeah. apparently about mighty works. Mm-hmm being performed by his hands. Because he says, is, well, let's look at this. Um, is this not the carpenter? And we'll, mm-hmm. we'll look at this. Mm-hmm. 
and we'll kind of go back a little bit. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? We'll go back over this in just a bit. And they were offended at him. Offended (laughs) at him. Now, the people there were offended at him. Mm -hmm. Uh, And probably his family, too. Well, here's. If they were there, if they were regularly in the city, they would. The family would be offended. Or embarrassed. Um, embarrassed is like, oh my, what's there this? He goes again. There he goes again. Thinks he's God. Yeah. And, he's uh, crazy. Uh, but Jesus. Psychotic. Just to make a point here and then go back. Okay. Uh-huh. And verse four, Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. So they, they, have, you, they have a certain... You know, when you're in your hometown, people remember who you are, how you grew up. Mm-hmm. Oh, we mm-hmm. know him. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. this, he's that. You know, they have this, you have this Wasn't identity. he the one that, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but they're, right. Yeah. He's the one that he was the. Yeah. We're known by our He deeds. was the nerd. He was the basketball player. He was the rebel. She was the, the cheerleader. Yeah. She was the druggie, yeah. whatever. So. We have a preset, a con- preset preconceived thing. then idea that will. It's like it's like we do this with all things, Jerry. It's like we we have an idea of, of that person. We know that person maybe growing up, or maybe we've met them along the way, and we have this first impression, idea, concept of who they are, and we really don't let people get out of that. We kind of lock them into that mindset, and and that's kind of the that's way a we dangerous thing to do, right? Because we've already in a way judged people by what we've uh, uh, observed. And we don't give them any grace or opportunity to change or be converted or do something different. And when they do, like even in addictions, when they do come clean, we still want them to be not clean because that's the way we know them. And so we're, we're cursing things by not believing that things can be changed. So well, the thing is, we, we, we sometimes we make, we make these judgments. We put people in a certain category or because of certain characteristics. Mm-hmm. Well, they're that person. They're that way. They're this way. But we don't really understand what's in their hearts, what's at the next level. Or what happened really to change are, them. Be, or what happened, yeah. about, what's their story. Or what's your story. Sometimes you got, this is, I think, is even worse, is we lock our own selves into a mindset because it is what it is, and I'm, and I'm this is who I am. This, I'll never change. I'm a Lutheran. I'm born in Lutheran, die a Lutheran, blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, we can, and even not only just in our own personal um, identity or concept, self-concept of who we are, which oftentimes is based on and built on and, and infused with lies and, and misjudgments, even of ourselves, self-condemnation, self-hatred, and then and, and woven together with all the religious trappings and strings and the traditions of men and mandates from the pulpit and whatever else. So we have formed, it's almost like we're living in a straitjacket. It's like we're living bound and we, we're, we're restricted in who we see ourselves to be. Now, they were doing that to Jesus. And in Matthew, it says the same thing. Is this not the carpenter's son? Right. Is not Mary, his, his mother, called Mary? And his brothers, James, Joseph, Simeon, and Judas, same four guys. And his sisters, obviously more than two, at least two, I should say. His sisters, are they not all with us? When, where then did this man get these things? If you add all that up, you've got James, Joseph, Simeon, Judas, that's four. Jesus is five. Sisters, at least two, is seven. So this family had to be at least seven kids in this family. At right. least. It could have had three sisters, and then it would have been eight. And notice they are talking about Mary and Joseph is not mentioned, the father. So obviously by Jesus' uh, 30th birthday, Joseph was not on the scene anymore. Yeah, and, and so people in, in his hometown of, of Nazareth, um, they knew him as the carpenter. Well, wait a second. Can I say one more thing about family size? I know that, uh, you know, when I grew up, it was the holy family and it was Jesus, Mary and Joseph. There was no illusion, no, even it was shocking for me actually to read in the Bible. And I'd read it more than one place one time that he had brothers and sisters. This, this kind of makes him less, uh, mysterious, less holy in a way in our eyes because he's got these siblings and, and you know what? It's good he had siblings because we all have siblings, not all of us, but we have to deal, many, many of us deal with these, these brothers and sisters of ours who have formed concepts and ideas and uh, been bitter or judgmental or helpful and lovely and kind. It's all, it depends on who you got for your siblings. But um, he understands that. He, he, you know, Jesus in all points, it says, was tempted like as us. Yeah. And, and, and you know, he was a sisters that, that mm-hmm. gave him a hard time. He, he had a step, <laughs> you know, sort of, sort of, so to speak, adopted father or a stepfather 
in Joseph. It wasn't a step. I, I know exactly the term, but Joseph took him on as his own, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. But he had that kind of relationship. He had brothers and sisters. He had his brothers and sisters who said, you're crazy. Let's take you home and get you some medication, lock you up. And no, I'm just making, kidding here. But they, they did it from point to point, time to time. They said, he's crazy. Take him home. We don't know who he is. You know, they didn't believe him. And, and ultimately, wasn't it a couple of these guys actually became, well, James. Well, yeah. We'll, we'll, we're get jump, to, we're, that, he became, jumping ahead a little. I know. But, but, but we're seeing the rejection here, right here, looking at the rejection. Of a home, and you know what you said it right, Jerry. The people who think you're, they think they know you. Well, yeah. I mean, he was known as the carpenter, and he was sort of like a lay rabbi in a sense because he was, mm-hmm. you know, he did some teaching in the synagogue. He was a regular attender in the synagogue, but Just he was a regular a, guy. He was a carpenter, so you know, usually you think of prophets. The Old Testament prophets were shepherds, you know, ra- you know, shepherds, farmers, fishermen, stuff like that. I, or carpenters. I don't know of any prophets or any other people that were of the trade of carpentry and they said and the, and the carpenter back in those days was quite a you know vital profession we think of a carpenter today as somebody you know, you know framing houses and, and and stuff like that um well but, maybe he did that too i don't I, know I'm sure he could have but you know they were like wooden or stone stone houses uh some uh, carpenters there they were kind of like in a lot of implement makers. You know, yeah. there's a mm-hmm. there's an old tradition that says Jesus uh, mainly made uh, plows and yokes. You know, the right and w- maybe uh, wheels for wagons. Part. Yeah, right. And yeah. and maybe uh, or tables. He, he maybe pro- well, he probably made um, furniture, tables, chairs, mm-hmm. stools, uh, stuff like that. They even made um, wooden. They had some it's type of wooden locks and keys for doors. They would make doors, windows, window lattices. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, maybe some of them would do some even uh, carving uh, work on on front. I bet doors you he was really so good at it. I so he was, and really, Kai, you wanted to have because you wanted to have a good product, even though they. So Jesus is familiar. You know, the carpenter basically your your product is your reputation. Yeah, right. And it means that. If you produce a good product, people are going to tell their a friends. A fair wage, a fair pay. Which is still mm-hmm. the best advertising there mm-hmm. is, is, mm-hmm. To, Sweet. is word of mouth. And so Jesus is familiar with hammers and, and nails and And he's also familiar and with... And and, and mm-hmm. knives and And, and he's also familiar with customer service and how to... And, and he knew, every, probably knew everybody in Nazareth that wasn't that big of a town. They probably all had a meet with him. I bet you his business was really one of the thriving businesses because they knew the honor, the reputation, the good work he did. And when he turned it over to his brothers and, and whatever, and the rest of the family coming down the line, I'm sure he had already set up a nice little business for them. Not that they were lucrative and, you know, making multi-millions, but um, I think that he had a good well, reputation. He, and he knew the people. He knew how they lived. He knew what broke down. He knew how to help them, even in these most tiniest ways. And people have said, you know, oh, God's not interested in that. That's too little to mess with. You don't want to mess, you know, waste God's time asking for that little thing. Well, Jesus wasted a, wasted a lot of his time here on earth just fixing things, you know, being of help. Fixing, and so, yes, there's nothing making, too small for him. He, so he was he was contributing to the home life of people right? Uh, with, with the furniture and the repairs uh, and, and the new things that he was <laughs> making. And also, the you know, there was an agriculture. Yeah, you know area. the funniest thing? The, Fun- the ox, the ox, the, the plow, uh, the yokes and the plows. Yeah. And so, so he's familiar with agriculture. He's familiar with a large family. He's familiar mm-hmm. with business. Mm-hmm. He, he's familiar yep, with the loss mm-hmm. of his uh, Joseph as yeah, his, yeah, you know, his dad, in a sense, earthly dad, dad. Yeah, earthly dad. He's got a lot and, of and taking over, uh, taking over the business, the and, pressures and of business, being and, patient, and being patient, and and, and customer service, yeah. <laughs> which can be a real test sometimes. Uh, but you know, you you can't. So he experienced and I'm tasted sure he did life. A quality product. He had. Why well, I, I know he high did. Quali- I mean, you can't imagine Jesus making shoddy. But you know, the funniest thing I'm thinking of, you know, when when famous people die nowadays, we try to collect all their artifacts, you know, whether it's Prince or Elvis or we put museums of, they touched this, they, they bought that, they, this, they wore this, you know, I I can't, there's no such thing as, well, there's a Jesus museum where they, all the tables he made, all the yokes, the wheels, the leftover fragments of, you know, whatever, you know, window frame there was, there's nothing 
like that at all with Jesus. And it's it's kind of a joke no, because no, no the Jesus most famous, wonderful, awesome human being that ever lived, we got nothing. We got no relics for him. We got no, we, we've got well, Jerusalem, they, they, we've got the, you they know. tried to sell relics back in the Middle Ages yeah, but, and stuff you know, like that, but that was just a farce. Who knows what's, what that was all you about. Know, but, but yeah, but there's no Jesus Museum. There's no Jesus Library. Yeah. And his hometown no. never, you know, they there's were. No, there's well, there's Jesus statues, but they're misrepresentations of him. Yeah, for probably. The most part. How do we? But yeah. anyway, so he's there. But he, but he's the most famous of all humans. That, it says that okay, it, and yeah, you you mentioned alluded to it earlier, Marjorie. That uh, a brother of James, James, we read was not believing, and his brothers, mm-hmm. sisters, they didn't believe. We're not believing that he's. It's hard to believe that your your brother is is the Messiah or the Son of God. <laughs> well, and, for sure. But but J- J- James became a believer mm-hmm. after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus because we read him. And he he's wrote. There. And he's there on the day of Pentecost, and he, like you said, wrote the epistle wrote, of James. Yeah, he wrote the book of and, James. And yeah. he actually became a leader in the, of the church in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And he was the one who was martyred, I think, wasn't yeah, he, by yeah. Herod's sword? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, uh, Judas, his brother Judas, well, Jude, wrote the book of Jude. Oh, he did? Yeah. He must not like writing very much because he didn't write enough. No, he he should have wrote more. He just, he was a kind of a cut-to-the-chase kind of guy. He didn't. He he quoted from the Book of Enoch. But I don't think writing was his strong no, suit. No, but but he just he just dished it out. <laughs> but there, he though. really did good. It's I mean, he was more of a, an abbreviated uh, Second Peter, I think. You know. Well, not only that, but he also just for FYI point of interest here, the Book of Jude, he 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 uh, he plagiarized the the Book of Enoch actually. Uh, which isn't included in our Bible, but the Book of Enoch found in the Dead Sea Scrolls also written well, he, uh, he, and was on. I say I think was really available at the time of Jesus. I, I say it was laying on all the coffee tables uh, in their homes because a lot Peter used it. He he took stuff out of it. J, uh, Jude took stuff out of it. So you know these boys were reading at least were very familiar with the Book of Enoch, which which is referenced through them. Uh, and the Book of Enoch is is now very I- intricate and very. Uh, um, important in understanding the backstory. Really, it tells the backstory of what happened with the giants and the flood, and um, explains a lot of why Jesus actually came. And there's a there's a book written by a guy named um, uh, uh, Michael Heiser, and his the title of the book is Reversing Hermon. Well, Mount Hermon was the place where the covenant was made with these fallen angels that took on uh, wa- the wives, the human wives, and had offspring which were giants and and when we're talking about jesus coming now just we don't think of it in that context may i just say this is off subject but on subject because we're always on the subject of jesus and so they um jesus really came to not only uh you know set us free uh, bring us the gospel the kingdom of god and and bring us the principles of the kingdom of god and and upgrade the law to thou shalt love the lord thy god with all thy heart, soul, mind and strength thy neighbor as thyself um, that's not all he did. He came to reverse what happened on Hermon. He came because the sin that, that began in the garden with Adam and Eve did not begin in the garden with Adam and Eve. The sin began with the mutiny in heaven. And then the second, second offense basically was Satan's, um, conjuring up this idea with his cohorts, uh, to, uh, come in and cohabitate with the women because the angels had not been given that privilege of, of, of procreation. And I think they were jealous. I think they wanted that, that power, that privilege. And they were, um, that's what drew them into this, making this very dangerous, uh, decision to do this. And so, um, but, but so Jesus reversing Herman, the effects of Satan, the effects when Jesus talked to the Legion, for example, he knew, the backstory. He knew everything. And um, so when the, the guy, the demon, the or demon, knew, demon yeah. demons begged to go into, he's, what are you doing here? Uh, coming before your time. Are you coming to torment us before the time? Uh, Jesus knew it wasn't quite time. And so did they. And so that's why Jesus was lenient, so to speak, with them and let them go into the pigs, which then obviously didn't work out well for them anyway. So it's interesting how Jude at the time, it was very, they were really mocking Jesus, thinking he was a crazy they didn't believe him, but then things turned around, and I believe he's there on the day of Pentecost. Yeah. 
He's cool. being filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's getting revelation, and things are coming together Clicking. for him. Yep. So sometimes together. be patient with your unbelieving brothers and sisters, family members. And yourself. Keep <laughs> praying for them yeah. Just and keep moving on with what God is giving you to do. That's what Jesus did. But is you know Jude came and exposed false teachers. Sure. He showed his familiar familiarity with Genesis, Genesis chapter six, mm-hmm. uh, about the angels uh, that sinned, the Nephilim, the giants in the earth, and then he 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 doesn't you know he he, sh- he doesn't he, go into great detail, yeah, but he, he alludes he, to he, it. He does quote. He yeah. quotes mm-hmm. Enoch, so he's familiar with the book of uh, Enoch about the Lord's coming and and the judgment upon the ungodly and so mm-hmm. forth so he <laughs> like you said he's so short you know there's only one chapter mm-hmm. it's not a chapter it's just like this is it he says it i done boom. i hate writing there, there, <laughs> i can just believe he but was he got the job done yeah. you know yeah. so this well, is and it's interesting quite an amazing family amazing family indeed an amazing place because nazareth was given this privilege to be called the, the the I mean they didn't recognize their privilege as being the town where Jesus Christ spent most of his earthly pilgrimage in thirty years in that town basically, and and living among them and they missed it they totally missed it and you know he said in other places where we won't get into today but he was he he said about Capernaum and 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 he says if if you Capernaum and Corazon, uh, Bethsaida if you would have realized what um. You know, it's going to be easier on Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for you because you had the privileges. You had me right there. You had the direct connection with God. They, they, Sodom and Gomorrah, he says, they blew it. They, they got all off track, you know, and God knows why they got off track because they were, these guys were basically Sodom, Sodomizing um, each other, men with men and men with angels, believe it or not. I believe that the reason that uh, they wanted the two angels that came in to visit Lot to tell him that the, the town was going to be ex- burnt up. Um, they wanted those angels. They wanted to sleep with them. Maybe they thought they were men, new men, new fresh uh, you know, opportunities in the town, or maybe they thought they were angels. I don't know. But they were after them, and they even, re- in Sodom, they even refused. Lot says, well, take my daughters. You know, they're virgins. The guys, the men, did not want the fresh young women. Even, I mean, Lot, that's crazy that he would even... Offer that is just out of his mind, yeah, I think. Really, but um, at that I'm moment, not Sodom for him. But see, God said, Jesus said, even it'll be easier on Sodom, and we just heard how bad Sodom was, than for these places. So when Nazareth is picking up this mocking of Jesus, um, surely it's like they had no idea what was in the very midst of them. Yeah, who was in the very midst of them? Right. You know? mm-hmm. And and. Uh, but Jesus' comment in verse 4 makes it very clear, and it kind of brings it home. He says, but Jesus said to them, a, t- a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in, in his own house. Now, this is absolutely true. Uh, his own country would have been, of course, his city, Nazareth and Galilee, somewhat. Uh, his own relatives, which we see here listed, and his own house. So uh, it's, it's kind of interesting to clarify something, just a little bit of backdrop on this. You know, Micah said that he was going to be born in Bethlehem, right, of Judea, mm-hmm. and then they and then there's another scripture that says, "Out of Egypt I have called my son," right, and then it says he's going to be called a Nazarene, right, and then he has set up he sets up basically his his ministry headquarters in Capernaum. Right. So it's like, okay, how could he be from Bethlehem coming out of Egypt and be a Nazarene? Well, he so, did it, but but it, it's <laughs> all and we know the story. I mean, just. The yeah. flight into Egypt, well, Joseph and Mary escaping persecution, yeah, coming back. Things. You know, it, it's it. You, sometimes you look at something. Mm-hmm. Which is it? How can it be? We are and always this, doing it. Is we're this contradictory? Always, yeah, but we're no, always, it's not. But we just don't wait and see. Well, we're always whole. asking the wrong question. Right. We're not asking the right question because you know it's got to be this or this. You kind of make it out. Okay, it's got to be left or right. It's got to be good or right. bad. It's got to be um, Nazareth or Bethlehem. Which is it? Yeah, uh, you know, and, and but the 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 it's mathematical reasoning. possibility of one man can completing all of those scriptures, and there's many, many, many others right. that the detail, specific events in his life that one all man fulfilled. could fulfill all of these 
is impossible except that it is divine and it is orchestrated right. and, and it is prophetic and, and it is foretold. And him being the lion of Ju- the tribe of Judah and the Lamb of God who takes the sin away the sin yeah, of the world. Yeah, there you go, both of them. The Messiah and the suffering, the the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, mm-hmm. yet the suffering uh, suffering servant, the exalted one of heaven, yet the one who is despised and rejected of men, mm-hmm. and a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Talking so, about dis- yeah. being despised and rejected. Now, if you you have your harmony of the Gospels right there, well, you look at, in your Bible, just can you just look for that passage, and and oh. this is something they probably should have researched John a little four, bit more four? before we got into this. If oh. that if this is the same account, talking about being rejected, here's here's what it says in Luke chapter four when Jesus has read that scripture, uh, there in in the back. There's I a, know. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking. All right. Um, they're talking about uh, him being rejected. He's speaking about um, the uh, quoting the passage there from Isaiah, and he says, "So all those Luke four twenty eight through thirty, so all those in the synagogue, when they had heard these things, were filled with wrath, and they rose up and thrust him out of the city, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff." Hmm. That's interesting. Th- then passing through the midst right of them, he went his way. He vanished. He no. This is this is this is some pretty serious rejection. Mm-hmm. Your hometown people get so mad at you, they take you out to the edge of town, want to throw you over a cliff. I tell you, those those guys just so much no for patience. hometown uh, heroes and affection. <laughs> hometown yeah. heroes. I uh, don't see it. Yeah, you do have a harmony of the gospels in that Bible. And, and and be curious to see if that... But this rejection, Luke gives more of the uh, details. There you go. Okay. And uh, he gives more of the details. So this is pretty serious. And it says he, he could do no mighty works there. Because of their unbelief. Uh, because of their unbelief. Uh, except, now, this is something that I... Um, <laughs> I would say these would be pretty mighty works. Uh, Mark chapter six verse five, he could do no mighty works there, work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. To me, that would be a mighty work. Mm-hmm. But there's much more that mm-hmm. Jesus really wanted yeah. to do. Yeah, the only cross reference there is in what I already read in Matthew um, about his brothers and sisters. There's no other. Um, no, not in, in no. the other Luke. So this apparently was another time. Mm-hmm. This was another time where they were ready to throw him out of the city. So, so that all through the scripture, uh, through the New Testament, through the Gospels, mm-hmm. you see the hostility toward Jesus increasing, which of course brings him yes, to the point of the cross. Uh, of the cross, and that was so. You know, it's interesting how people look at their life. Say, oh, oh, that was so bad, so terrible. It's going so bad. Nothing's going right. Nothing worked out. We lost the game, whatever, whatever. You know, I, I missed the promotion. Oh, you know, I, I got the divorce. Oh, whatever. And and we, we don't see that God is weaving all of these things. All of these things are working together for good. So we look at the bad and we start to go down. We say, oh, it's it's never going to work. It's never going to, I'm never going to make it. I'm al- I'm always... I have bad luck, uh, whatever, whatever, and and yet we see that even in this this thing that's rising in a crescendo to climax at the cross, the crucifixion, the death, the vehement hatred of Jesus, um, it didn't end there actually because it picked up again in the Book of Acts when they started healing people in the name of Jesus. But but we see that this what had to be. Jesus said, "I have to go to the cross." Peter says, "Oh no, no, no! Don't go to the cross. You're not going to go." And and then Jesus said, "Get behind me, Satan." The 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 inspiration for that comment was actually Satan, not truth, not the Holy Spirit. And many times we jump to conclusions about ourselves, about situations, and we we actually then begin to give power and agreement and uh, power, I guess, authority, recognition. Uh, energy to that negative uh, thrust. We, we begin to push, begin to push with, with the enemy to destroy our lives. Oh, it's never going to work. Oh, I knew it went. I, I've got this. Oh, I've got this, this disease. I'm, I'm no, I'm this. I've got a, this diagnosis. I'm an alcoholic. I'm, a, I'm an addict. I'm a, I'm a loser. I'm, 
I, I, you know, my child has whatever, whatever. And we take that negative report, that unbelief, because of the way it looks and feels and because of what everybody says and the experts tell you, and you stop resisting it. You start going with, well, I guess there's nothing else. I can. Well, I'm going to have to take the medication. Well, I'm going to have to. You know, a lot of times it's the weariness uh, and the unbelief of longing for the breakthrough and thinking that the breakthrough may be some magical moment right. when, in fact, it may be a long, ongoing process of, of completing and perfecting the course that you're on. Yeah, and a lot of that has to do with unfulfilled expectations. We oh, expect yeah. something. Now, there's, it's good to have expectation. Well, and that's that's part and there's because on the other side of that coin, there's people who say, "Well, I don't, I don't hope for anything no, because no, I don't want to be disappointed." Nothing good, yeah, nothing's good going to ha- happen anymore. But if you have expectations, you you think something's going to work out a certain way. After all, I've prayed about it. I've had my friends pray about it. I We're asked God. I told God it, what to do. And it didn't happen. Yeah, it didn't happen that way. Remember the disciples on the after the resurrection of Jesus on the road to Emmaus. They said we thought. That he was the Messiah. Now he's it's, yeah. it's three days, We've, and he, he's he's dead. He's crucified. He was he's already gone. risen, and they didn't know it. You know, so there's a lot of other things. It's like, you know, it's like it's like a lot of times people already have the answer, and they don't see it. It's already in the house. It's already arrived, and they that this day of small beginnings, they don't realize God's already working, working, working to bring to pass an answer to their prayer because God is good, and God wants you to have the things He has put in your heart. Whether it's say, for example, He gifted you with a certain ability or aptitude. And you're not in that place right now. You're working in a in a job you hate. You're working in a situation. You're in a marriage. You're in a uh, difficult, difficult. But but see, the thing is, then we we get set up by the devil. The thinking in our own mind, prom- propagated by the devil, begins to imagine scenarios. Okay, I'm going to win the lottery, or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to uh, whatever. And when those things don't happen, then we begin to um, fade away from. Uh, the boldness, and we begin to accept subconsciously the the implication of it's never going to work, and so we 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 settle for the job that we hate. We and and the more you settle, and the longer you stay in something like this, uh, it, it, the harder it is to get out of it because you lose your time, your en- your energy, or your strength. But at the same time, and on the other side of that coin, you cannot jump ahead of the Lord. But what you can do. Rather than getting all thrown off and, and cut up on the blades of expectation and disappointment, is do it during and going through everything, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, if you can maintain an attitude of gratitude and praise the Lord and be thankful. Thankfulness is health. Being thankful, not moaning, mourning, mumbling, complete complaining, but being thankful. Thankful for the little things. Thankful that, you know, thankful for many things that you take for granted. Thankful that you can stand up on your two legs and still walk. Thank you that your ears work. Thank you that your eyes focus. Thank you that, you know, your fingers can till, still work to pick up a pencil. I mean, just if you begin to cultivate that, like in the book of Mark here, the Nazareans were not able to receive anything because they were con- they were cultivating an attitude of of complacency, mourning, mumbling. Oh, we already know this. We know this guy. They had this mindset. There's nothing. He he. he we know who he is. He doesn't do that. He fixes he's, wagon he's wheels. Okay. He doesn't. He does a good job. But uh, he's not who he. Not he's not God. He's Give not it. Really come special. on, this guy. I'm serious. If Jesus would have come today, so serious, they would have put him on. Um, what are some of the the high powered as psychotropic or an, uh, antipsychotic drugs these days. Um, uh, no, not no, what am I? Oh. Resperidol, things like the Haldol, um, things like that. That he he would been locked up in some state or county funded mental health institution, given electric shock treatments, and locked up for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what people would have done to him today. And so it's a good thing he he didn't he couldn't have come today. Already, because it would have been too advanced in terms of the abilities to reject him. Um, not that he's not God and he couldn't have got out of the, the whole deal. What but you say, that phrase you said, <clears throat> advanced in our abilities to reject him. Uh, we think uh, the Bible says that knowledge puffs up. Knowledge makes you proud, but love builds you up. And mm-hmm. so we have uh, all this technical knowledge. We have uh, lots of education but very little wisdom. Understanding, yeah. We think we know so much because we can, we can run a computer or we can um, 
manage a company or we can achieve something yeah. in the sports mm. world or some other way. Or we get some uh, praise of men. We, we, yeah. We, we, and after all, <laughs> and, and we're so, we're so open, we're open-minded, right? We're open-minded. We're open-minded to everything except the gospel. We're educated beyond our intelligence. Yeah. I've heard that phrase before. I didn't coin that, but anyway, yeah. but we're, we're educated beyond and so we now are in, a, in an area of a zone of deception because we think we got it, we understand it, we don't need to be taught That's anymore, pride. nobody else can tell us anything else. We don't need in, to know any more stuff, we're happy with what we got. And then we actually begin to sink in into the delusions of, that these lies have brought into our lives and we sink into a place of sedation, stupor, uh, being seduced, and our lives are being dra- sucked. We're, yeah. we're being, it's like we've, we're being, the, the life is being sucked out of us, like blood suckers bl- suck the blood out of you. Um, your, your life is being sucked out of you because you, we haven't really stood for the truth. We've believed lies. And so it's so important in your life right now, if you don't like your life, begin to praise God, begin to thank God, begin to, the Bible says, thank God whatsoever things are pure, lovely, honest, just, and of good report. And he also says, um, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Do you know that the spirit of fear and anxiety that's prevalent in the world today. The generalized anxiety a diagnosis um, is the most prevalent of all the diagnoses that the, that the third-party payers receive to pay your health provider. It, that generalized anxiety, everything is wor- worrisome, nervous, ner- you know, and it's creating, it's disrupting your whole internal system, your hormones, your balances. It's creating too much adrenaline and cortisol, and it's, it's corrupting. It, this isn't just in your his human body system. This is in the world. And now Jesus is in Nazareth. And Jesus cannot do many mighty works or because of their mindsets, because of their unbelief, because they think they know it all, because they've already been uh, satisfied that they have the right understanding. They know him. They're satisfied that they know him. A lot of people, and not, fewer and fewer people, are having a taste of church. And for the most part... The having churches, a taste? What does that mean? The churches in America... The churches in America have misrepresented and mistaught Jesus Christ and the gospel. Absolutely. And so Absolutely. people will maybe, those that have had a taste of that, mm-hmm. either stay in there and their lives are still miserable. Uh, they still don't have any heart change. I, I say it this way. They're vaccinated with religion, just mm-hmm. enough religion so they can't really catch the real revelation right, of Jesus right. Christ. And because they think they've already had it, they think they know it. They then, think they've heard then, about it already. And then you have there are a lot of there's a younger generation that are not involved with any kind of church contact, which in a sense is good. But then in a, because they've got the but if you have no foundation, so much to the misinterpreted. But yeah. then they have no foundation. See, you know, back it, a generation or two ago, there were people that had at least some foundation of the gospel. Mm-hmm. They, even they went to a church, maybe they went to Sunday school, they learned some of the Bible stories, some they learned about Jesus, yeah. they learned mm-hmm. about his life, his death, his crucifixion, they learned the, about the parables, Jesus. they had some, mm-hmm. at least some basis. Foundation. Now, mm-hmm. younger generation coming up, for the most part, they have none of this. There mm-hmm. is no foundation mm-hmm. uh, in so the gospel the is not being preached, it's being effectively, satanically, effectively removed from their environment and their experiences. He's just removing the, the testimony well, it, of the gospel from their environment. Not only removed, but then it's replaced. What, right, what happens? true. See, you know, the, the old phrase that nature abhors a vacuum. Mm-hmm. In other words, if, you, if you're not going to have the truth in there, what's going to happen? Satan is going to pour lies into mm-hmm. you. Fables, every, fantasies. Every, fables. Yeah. The, the Bible says, fantasies, Timothy fairy says tales. in the last days, mm-hmm. the, the people's ears will turn from the truth yes. and be turned to fables. Fantasies, yep. stories, and that's what, sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what a lot of our motion pictures, movies, Hollywood, is is feeding. It's our, it's, we love a story. We love to be entertained. We love to see happy endings. We, we love to think. It, it, it stimulates us in a way to think about other things. And so we're so the very thing that God has given us as a gift, Satan is now using to draw us into, to seduce us into believing lies. And so we're entertained and we, we, we're eating the wrong foods. We're filling our minds with the wrong things because they're delightful for a moment, because they're addictive, because they, they are seductive, they're sedative. 
um, they give us a break from the, the, the pain of this world. It's very full of pain. But Jesus, so now we have the problem here. He has wisdom. He's done already a history of mighty works before he gets to this point, as we've seen from Mark chapters 1 through 5. And now he says he could, uh, uh, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives. We've already talked about that. And you know how that goes yourself. You know how that goes. You, you know how you're treated in your own family. Everybody's got a family. If you've got more than one person in the family, you know that they're going to have the mindsets about you. They're going to have their, their opinions made. They're going to be judgmental. They're going to be critical. They're going to be jealous, probably. Um, maybe some of them will really, really, you'll, you'll have a wonderful family that you actually love one another. You, you, you okay. encourage one another. You want to support one another. And you want the very best for each other. That's called love. There's a few of those out there. Um, but he could do no mighty works there, uh, except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. So they weren't ready to receive. There wasn't much he could do. Uh, not that he didn't want to do it. Not that they didn't have six people. Not that they didn't need it. Um, and then it says, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. So he left there. Okay, if you don't want it, I'll go somewhere they, where they want it. So the people that were there, in a sense, they didn't really <laughs> they missed care it. about the, the theological debate. They're sick and they're healing. And they've heard this guy heals me. Right. And we really don't care they about all themselves. the theology right. stuff. We just, we have a great need. We've <laughs> they heard, had a selfish ambition to go get healed. your work. Yeah. And let me just, you know, I, 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 they allowed Jesus to touch them, touch them and, and they were healed. And they had faith because, you know what, they had gotten past all the gobbledygook of we know who you are, all the, 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 the reasoning, the thinking, the religion, mm-hmm. the breaking of the laws. They got all the accusations made against him, all of the arguments, all of the discussion. It, it meant nothing anymore to them. It was all peripheral to the fact that they needed to walk again. They needed to see again. They needed to be able to breathe again or whatever their problem was. And so when, when I think desperation actually is a, in some ways a good thing because it gets you, it clears the clutter. You're desperate now. You're, and, and if you're so desperate, you're ready to commit suicide. At that point, God have mercy on you and may he send an intervention or someone into your life to set you free from that because a lot of people in their desperation are not um, found. Uh, they, are, they're, 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 they fall through the cracks. And you can't, you cannot tempt God by, by you know, whatever people sometimes try to do. If they they act like they're desperate. They're desperate. It's a sincerity that God sees in our hearts, and He, He, the desperate people. He saw their sincerity. He saw that they were, they were. There was no other hope for them. And you know, honestly, the hardest part about what we do is seeing that. Jesus is the only hope. He's their only hope. We know this. We absolutely know that Jesus is our only hope. He's the only hope for the people who come to us. But if they can't receive it or they haven't been prepared to receive it or they're still in lies and unbelief or we don't have anything else to give them other than Jesus and there's so much they need and Jesus would be sufficient for every bit of it, then we we see with sorrow that they they go away unhelped. Right, and if people, it's a real blessing to find people that are desperate enough to come to Jesus. Now, yeah. there's people that are very desperate. desperate enough to give up their pride. They're desperate. Their lies. They're despair. They're, Ooh, they're scary in, place. In despair. But to here's the deal: is to be able to, and this is the this is the ministry that God has called each of us to have is to show desperate, hurting people and help them make the connection that the the part of the reason, why are they in that situation? Because of the influence of the lies, the influence of demons, mm-hmm. generational curses and all that stuff. So, But a lot of people don't get the connection. There's the desperation. They'll, it'll take them to addiction. It'll take them to one addiction, a kind of addiction or another. Or it'll bring them to suicide, but to be able to show that the the mm-hmm. the re the connection the the cure for your desperation is it's you Jesus. connecting mm-hmm. with Jesus the and, life and source. allow allowing the power of Jesus mm-hmm. to bring freedom. But a and lot of people wholeness to them. It's like a lot of people they're trying. <laughs> this is an interesting little analogy. They're trying to sow. They're the, they're like the thread. They're like they're like the thread. Uh, they're trying. They have a thread in their hand, and they're trying to sew 
uh, a tear or a rip or sew on a button without the needle. You have the thread, but you don't have the needle. Jesus is the needle in your life. You have to thread the thread, the thread of your life, through the needle in order to get to get the power to stitch or sew or heal or mend the rip, the tear, sew on the button. You cannot, a thread by itself will not be able to do much. You have to have a needle. Jesus is the needle. And a lot of people, they, they aren't, they're afraid. It's actually fear that keeps people from surrendering to a fear of letting go of what I think, fear of, of myself, fear of what I believe, fear of my, what people will think of me, fear of, of, you know, this is, and it's, it's this thing with Jesus Christ is so hated. The love of God, Jesus Christ, followers of Jesus Christ, they are absolutely so in uh, hated and there's so little tolerance for the true people of God, just like with Jesus. He said they will persecute you. And there are enough, <clears throat> there are enough, uh, false ministers of the gospel that bring shame and reproach uh, to the gospel. Or confusion. To the, to the confusion to yeah. the gospel of Christ. That many people get confused. And so it's like, you know, and who wants that? I mean, but, the people that are desperate don't want that. The people that but are here's true the deal. To the Lord bottom line. That. Bottom line, if it's desperation, bottom line with the people, what they're saying in Nazareth, who cares? Jesus healed me. Jesus raised my right. daughter from the dead. Jesus is the he's the answer and so you know when you get to that place of i don't care anymore i don't care what it takes it takes me if it takes me dying to myself canceling out all of the lies all the stuff i learned by the way i don't believe i believe god has imparted to us things created right into our being into our spirit the revelation of jesus christ the revelation of truth that all men have that revelation from the very beginning so everyone was is without excuse because we know even from that that the god has imparted to us the ability to know that we know what we know and and yet the devil is trying to entice like with eve she knew she knew the garden was good she knew what god said she knew that the, you know they had eternal life she knew they hung around with god they talked with them in the cool of the day she knew everything was wonderful great and she didn't even know what unwonderful non-wonderful not wonderful was. And and so yet, with all that knowing, she didn't know what she had. She did not know the wonderful things she had, and she did not know that there was a time and place in a way where you might not have those things, where you might lose those things. And I think for all of us, we're the opposite. We've got all these things we think we've got to do to make God happy, to do, you know, keep his uh, rules. And half the rules we're keeping and suffering to keep are not even his. They didn't even make those rules. Those are the traditions of men, and we're getting all tangled up. But when you get to the simplicity of the love of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, where it's got to be God, I, I, it is what I'm going through is God's problem. I am God's problem. I'm God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, and He is responsible for what He did. He's responsible to complete the work He's begun in me. If I can address my life with that attitude, it's your problem, Lord. It's not my problem. You've got this. I'm okay. I'm following you. I praise you. Love you. Thank you for the sunshine. I'm believing you, Lord God. It's going to work out good. All things you said work together for good. If you start talking to God like that and remind him of his promises, not that he needs to be reminded, but your life is going to look and feel and take a, a lift up. It's going to get, you're going to get undergirded with the Holy Spirit. And it's going to be, the, the burden is going to be a lot lighter. And it's going to be, God says, I says, I never tempt you above that I'm able to keep you, but with every temptation, I make a way of escape that you're able to bear it. I think that's First or Second Corinthians, chapter ten, thirteen, something like that. So I know we're done for the day, but we've got to um, encourage you to just not not stick with your old mindset, not reject God because you think you know all about God. Start to give God a chance to be who He is in your life and let Him show you who He is. Yeah, and Jesus didn't get all bogged down there and said, "Oh man, they don't like me." You know, uh, nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I think I'll just eat worms. He didn't get into that kind of mode. He went forward. He went. He said, and he marveled because of their unbelief. There was no mighty works, no uh, no honor there, no faith there. He healed those people, some of the people that were desperate, and he kept moving on. He went 
to the people who wanted him. Other villages. And this is what you might have to do to, in your life too. To, yeah, mm-hmm. in a circuit. So he went on a circuit. And, and let somebody out. else preach to your family. Yeah. All right, and, let's pray. That's work. That's worked for me with my sister and my brother-in-law. Yeah. So let's pray, Lord God. I thank you. There are those here that are Hallelujah. listening today that may have family members or people that they've ministered to and they've rejected. But Lord, help them just to move on, to continue to pray for these, and that in your time, not in take your it way, personal, yeah, Lord. Not take it personal. You mm-hmm. use other people and other means to speak to them and get to them. Hallelujah. And and Lord, I pray that you just encourage, Lord, those Jesus. that have been facing yes. unbelief. Uh, in their own bodies, yes, Jesus, uh, heal of other people that they Hallelujah. will keep going forward. Yes, Father, and they will give, move on toward the others that will hear yes, and will Jesus. receive. And thank you, Jesus, for knowing where we're at and what obstacles we're up against, and how you, Lord God, have defeated our enemies. So I pray that you would defeat, release, un- unhook the people who are trapped and snared in their in in their mindsets today. Free them with the revelation yes. of your love and truth. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.